0: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Racer Nation podcast. My name is Sawyer Lawson. I'm broadcasting live in Murray, Kentucky. Also joined by the two men who make this podcast great, Logan Foster and Austin Blakely. Uh, all together again, um, this, this feels really good getting to do it all in person again. Uh, hopefully you guys will, will enjoy it. The last one we did in person was, was really fun, so hopefully we can keep that same energy uh, this afternoon as well. Uh, In this episode, we're going to have a recap of the MTSU game with the Racers getting their first big win at the bank this season. Um, Then we'll also look at the the preview for the Memphis game this weekend in a massive matchup uh, between the Racers and the Tigers. Then we're also going to talk about the facilities upgrades um, with the facilities master plan that was released um, this past week um, that talked about the facility upgrades to the CFSB Center. Kind of give our thoughts on that. Um, So, Austin, Logan, happy Sunday afternoon to you guys. Um, How are you guys doing?
1: Doing well, doing well, Sawyer. It's the uh, first time we've recorded on a Sunday, but we wanted to take advantage of, of all of us being in Murray Murray this weekend. And uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be good to do a full one in person because the last one we did in person was just uh, a short you know, 10, 15 minutes around the uh, Braxton interview. So got a really big win at the bank last night. It was fun to watch. Fun for probably 35 minutes, I would say. The last five minutes kind of got a little iffy, but we're going to talk about that a little bit, Logan. And uh, All got to sit together and watch the game behind the bench, and it was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, uh, things are looking good for Racer Nation right now. Um, team 7-1, and one, like you guys said, we got to watch the game all together last night. With um, Usually we've got at least one of us are missing in action, but we were all there, and... By far, I think the most fun game we've had this season. Um, atmosphere was pretty good, and we can touch on that a little later. But um, compared to what it has been, I, I guess you could say we're, we're pretty happy with how things went last night.
1: You mean that was a more fun atmosphere than the Cumberland game? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> it was close, though, right? Uh, yeah. It was close. I mean it just goes to show you and, and like you said last week, Logan, it's you gotta play the games that are on the schedule, but it just shows you when you when you when you bring good teams in, the, the fans are gonna respond, the players are gonna respond, and it's just a more it's a it's a better experience for everybody. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into that middle game. MTSU. We talked about it a lot last week. They were gonna be a very tough team. Obviously coming from Conference USA, they're gonna they're going to have big guys, they're going to have athletic players, they're going to have experienced players and we saw all of that and they definitely did have did not have any quit in them but the racers pulled out the win 93 to 87 extremely high scoring for two teams that had kind of prided themselves on defense so far this year both giving up under 70 a game up until this point and uh, it was a it was a shootout but man a lot of balance from the racers we put out a tweet last night during the game and it had five players in double figures and four of them over 15 points. And uh, it was just a lot of fun to see. And that's two, two out of the last three games we've had that. So uh, we've got a lot of stats, a lot to talk about with this middle game. But uh, Sawyer, go ahead and let's dive into it a little bit.
0: Yeah, it was, I think you, to echo your point, it was, it was an awesome night. It was a super fun game. And I think that once the OVC starts, and even with the game against Chattanooga before the, before the OVC season kicks off at the end of December – um, we're gonna have a lot of games that are just like like last night, and and if you if you were in attendance, you you could feel it that, that it was a much much better game, and it was a, f- a fun game to be at. Um, but then also, you know, if you weren't there, it's just, like we've been telling you, it's a team you're gonna want to get out and see. Uh, so we want to make sure that we can see the, the bank packed um, the next time we get uh, we get to we get to be there. Um, but yeah, like you said, Austin, a lot of balance um, from our team. We had we had five guys in double figures, and we almost had six. Um, DJ Burns with 12, KJ and Juice with 18, Tevin with 15, and then only in 21 minutes, Trey Hannibal led the team with 19 points. A lot of those coming from the charity stripes, 7 of 9, um, and just this absolutely love that balance. Um, it's something we haven't seen from a racer team in almost a decade, uh, and I think what's that was an encouraging outlook for the rest of the season because, you know, on a night where someone might have an off night, someone will be able to step up or we didn't need someone to have to carry the load and we were able to handily take care of business and everybody got their own. Uh, another, you know, a little, little bit lower lower tier aspect of the game that I thought was important was it got Carter Collins going a little bit. Finally, uh, had a dunk to start the game, hit a three. I so hope we can get, get him going um, and really be able to propel him to – Success we want to see, um but yeah, it was really good, a lot of balance. all the guys played to their strengths and played really well. First game, I can remember in a long time where i didn't feel like there were hardly any four shots. People just played within themselves, and that's going to be incredible uh and great for us to see for the rest of the season.
1: We talked to episode or two ago about about those role players, and you really saw that last night with with so many so many of them stepping up and obviously. Tevin and KJ are going to they're always going to get the I mean I think every time KJ touched the ball in the post he was doubled and somebody was always shadowing Tevin um on the perimeter and so they're always going to get the the main looks but when you've got guys you can count on like Trey or, or 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 uh Juice or any of those guys that can step up and on any given night give you 19 18 points like that I mean Tevin or KJ wasn't even our two leading scorers, you know. And so it's really, really impressive and and something that's going to be, you know, when you look at the teams we've got coming up, Memphis and Chattanooga and Auburn, and that's the kind of team effort we're going to need from everybody.
2: You know, two things that really stuck out to me last night on offense were a couple sets that we ran. um, One being... Trey Hannibal flashing down to the low post and us just feeding him. He's going to be bigger than any other guard he plays. I mean, the kids just well, – we were joking last night calling him Trey the animal Hannibal because uh, the guy's <laughs> just a force down there. And we, we've we alluded to this earlier, but I just want to see him do that against Grayson Murphy. But um, if he gets somebody down in the low post, he's going to finish the other one was we were overloading one side of the court and making it to where K.J. could seal his man and we could throw the ball over the top and he was just wide open on the back side. We did that a couple times as well. So um, last night we talked when we were sitting together about how sometimes it takes us a while to get started in our offense. And that was probably the biggest complaint that I've had so far We waste half the the shot clock getting set up. But other than that, our sets looked good last night. We didn't really go on any real droughts. And uh, DJ Burns stepped up getting putbacks and all those offensive rebounds. Juice did not force shots. It was was really nice to see he attacked when he needed to attack and uh, played under control. Tevin, this year he has really become a stat sheet stuffer. He has a lot of assists, quietly. But you look, game after game, he fills up the stat sheet. So, really excited about that win last night. It was a tough team. Jefferson for middle was just unconscious. It felt like anything he threw up he was making. But um, without him going off, the game wouldn't have been nearly as
0: close. No, not at all. I think they have a really good team. Uh, and Jefferson is, is a really good player. I, I know I mentioned to you guys last night he reminded me of uh, – a a mini Marcus Howard from Marquette a few years ago. He just, anytime he got the ball in his hands, he, he, his shot came off so quickly and it was nothing but the bottom of the net. Logan, on two things that you talked about, the, the two things I wanted to touch on is just from our personnel-wise was DJ Burns is kind of that big man we haven't had in a long time who just seems like he just does everything right. He runs the floor, he goes after on the, off, on the offensive glass, he gets tons of rebounds, as we mentioned, plays great defense, and doesn't turn the ball over. He's not setting illegal screens. He's not uh, pushing people in the back. Uh, he's just doing exactly what he needs to do. He knows his role. He feels it perfectly. And it's just so fun to watch whenever you got a guy like that who's not selfish, not looking for baskets on his own. He just knows his role and he's playing within it. And the other one is Juice. Uh, you know, I think Juice had like eight of our first ten points or something um, to start the game. And uh, just the way that he's using his speed finally to blow by people is what we've always wanted. And we knew it took those Juco guys a year to come along, and we're seeing it now that he's he's able to take off and, and play so well. So uh, he's going to be a catalyst for us uh, down the rest of the stretch, no doubt. Uh, you know, one of the things we always were looking at throughout the season is that baby index, so buckets around the basket, Racers won plus 16 there, 52 to 36, um, what we should expect for the rest of the season for sure. And then also forcing middle to 17 turnovers that led, led, led to a lot of easy baskets. Uh, that was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, around the DJ talk and, and transfers, and I think you even see it with, with Jordan Skipper-Brown being a grad transfer, and it, it takes the big guys a few games to... To get used to playing playing Matt McMahon's offense with a lot of screens at the top, and and you see the easy fouls that, especially, I don't think it's so much this year, but last year there was a huge emphasis on on moving screens, and and this year maybe not so much, but you don't see DJ making those mistakes because those those kind of turnovers, and and you don't see him fouling down in the post or or offensive fouls when he catches the ball on the block and stuff like that. And He just seems to be in the right place at the right time, and so. Sorry, like you said, your baby stat it ended up being plus 16. It was even there for a while until those last you know we can get into the turnovers in the last five, six minutes, but it was even a bigger margin than that. We had them doubled up a few times when I would look up at the at the stat sheet and and we out rebounded out rebounded them 43 to 33, and uh, KJ and DJ had 27 combined. Um, and so those two guys almost out rebounded their whole team. Just just down six from there. So huge, huge games by our our starting starting uh, front court. So like you said, we forced seventeen turnovers. We ended up committing sixteen. Uh, they don't post the uh, the play by play anymore, so I couldn't see really how many we had in the last five or six minutes. But I don't think that turnover margin was as as close as it really should have been. But you know we're up up uh, 15 plus with 10 minutes to go in the game and and let them let them come back to it and close it to four a couple times and you know the final margin being six but you know we did we did hold them off and and win the game but that was kind of a, a cause for concern they're they're a very athletic and lengthy team and we're about to play a very athletic and lengthy team in a few days so is that something that uh Penny Hardaway is looking oh maybe we should press the Racers you know, for 40 minutes because they struggled with it for, for the last six minutes against a, a middle team.
0: Yeah, I think we had a little bit of struggles down the stretch, but but ultimately we we're up by 17 with 10 minutes to go. Um, and, you know, there were some bizarre officiating sequences. I don't know if you guys want to talk about those or not. Um, that that kind of led to the beginning of, of some of the spots where we had a little bit of confusion and um, just, just, some, just some awkward areas. And, and they, they capitalized on those uh, to their credit. Um, they were they were able to go in and, and get some easy steals and easy baskets, just like how we were. Um, but I think it's just an opportunity for us to grow. You want to always learn and learn on wins. Uh, I'm not a big person, not a big fan of learning from your losses unless you have to. Um, and so, you know, that, that thought was, was encouraging. I mean, I think that we were a, a, a double-digit, you know, uh, we should have won by double digits the whole game. They just shortened it at the very last. But uh, so we, we clearly took care of business. Um, but it's also good to know that we have some – we did that, but we also have things to learn and grow on. So, uh, really encouraged by our ability to take care of it, even when adversity struck at the very
1: end. Logan, you asked us last week um, what what we thought the line of the of the game would be. I think I said six to seven. You'd said eight to nine, Sawyer, and you'd said seven to eight. So all right there together, and and it comes out on Friday, and or yeah, I guess on Friday, and it's twelve or no ten and then moves to 12-and-a-half, and we're like, what the heck's going on? And, you know, barring the last few minutes of the game, that 12 number was not was not too far off because I think in the last, I don't know, maybe three or four minutes ago we're up 12 points, and then, you know, they get three buckets in a row right there at the end. Where, um, But it's uh, – I guess those guys in Vegas actually know what they're doing.
2: It sounds to me like we're sharper than Vegas. We, we called the line.
1: Yeah, true, true. And
0: thankfully, they set the over-under at 130 or so, so yeah. we were all able to cash in on that because we knew <laughs> yeah. this was going to be a shootout.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was surprising for sure. They they hit the over with like 12 minutes to go in the game or something like that, and uh, it was easy street for us sitting over there watching the game after that. But, uh, man, I, I kind of want to talk about guys. Uh, you know, we talked about DJ a lot already because he, he was such a force, and, and another transfer we have is Trey and, Trey Hannibal, we talked about we talk about those two guys seemingly every episode, and they've made such a huge difference for us this year, and they are making an immediate impact coming in, which is something you want to see from transfers, which we don't always get. And so, and we talked about when we were going over the roster, we we kind of made trades. It seemed like so with Southern, we trade uh, Breon Whitley, he's at Southern now for. DJ Burns, who's who's here, who's here for the Racers now and starting. And then with South Carolina, we trade, you know, last year Chico Carter to South Carolina for, for Trey Hannibal, uh, who's who's on the Racers now. And, you know, we, we didn't know what to expect from those guys coming in, especially DJ didn't play a lot last year for Southern, for I think we said COVID reasons and stuff like that. And uh trey didn't get a whole lot of minutes but in a couple games where he did get minutes he he performed pretty well uh honestly and so now we're seeing them in racer uniforms and uh overall it seems like i got some numbers to back it up here in a second but overall logan seems like a win for the racers on that front
2: yeah i think we won those trades um i, I like chico he he was a big-time scorer for us last year. He seemed to be our best scoring option, and so I kind of hated to see him go. Um, but with what we've got out of Trey Hannibal, you've, you've just got to be happy with it. He, he does everything. And, you know, with him and DJ, they don't seem to me like they could care less whether they score a point. They're there to play hard and to win. With DJ... I think his favorite thing is just going out there and out hustling everybody. He has a smile. Absolutely he has funny.
1: a smile on his face every time something good happens. That's <laughs> what I wanted to say is that yeah. the team seemed like
0: last night they were having a blast the whole time. Yeah. And that is, you know, something that you didn't get to you didn't get to witness a lot of last year. And so getting to see that this year is like I said, like I said in the second or third episode, that's going to elevate our level of play. And when we talk about the transfers, then coming here, getting that opportunity you know, they weren't having that in their previous home, so getting that here, I think you're getting to finally see what these guys are made of, getting to see that, in, and it's in a racer uniform, which is even better.
2: Yeah, and I've got to say, when I saw that we were getting a 6'7 forward that was a little undersized from Southern, and the the SWAT conference that hardly played last year, I was not excited at all, and DJ has just proved me wrong game after game. and to be honest, he's becoming my favorite player on the team. It's hard not to like the guy. He's always got a smile on his face and, and just works so hard. But, you know, we've talked about this previously, but um, this is the first year we've had uh, no Breons or Gilmores on our team. and Whatever you may think about that, I think we're doing okay so far. <laughs> Seven and one start to the season. and uh, Everybody seems to be having a good time.
0: So let's keep it going. That is a little bizarre that we've had people with the same name. And, and next year with Civils and with uh, Jackson Edwards, we're going to have Jacksons again. So that is that has been such, such an awkward or just interesting thing we've had over the past couple of years. We're going to start the Jackson
1: trend now. But uh, just some stats real quick for, for everybody. So DJ this year started all eight games. Um, he's averaged 24 minutes a game, putting up 7.1 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, and really making a difference out on the floor. I want to highlight the last three games for for DJ because for both of these guys, I'm going to highlight them for Trey as well. They've really stepped up the last three games, I've thought. So the last three games, that would be James Madison, um, the game the other night against Campbellsville, and then last night against Middle. He's averaged 13.7 points per game, 9.7 rebounds. So really one rebound away from a double-double average. And so, wow, I mean, he's just really hitting his stride after – you know, just eight games into the season. And then, uh, you know, we, we talked about the trade. Breon Whitley last year played 19 games for the Racers, averaging 4.4 points per game. So, I'm um, not, not making a lot of difference. So, just a huge jump in production right there. And so, this year, uh, Trey hasn't started yet. I know that's been a point of topic between the three of us. But um, I go back and forth on that so much because he brings so much off the bench and brings such a spark. Is that his role? And it's obviously working pretty you know he he's playing more minutes than Carter is when it comes down to it, and I'm okay with him coming off the bench. Really, the more I
0: think, do you guys think that we might have a player who comes off the bench that might actually win an All OVC honor that doesn't even start for us by the time it's all said and done? Yeah, I wonder if that's
1: ever happened before. Yeah, interesting. He's got you know he hasn't won a newcomer of the week a year award yet, but if he doesn't this week, somebody else must have really put up put up some numbers. But Something to watch. Yeah, something to watch for sure. So, Trey, played in all all eight games, hasn't started. 21.2 minutes per game, uh, 10.9 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, uh, 1.57 assist to turnover ratio. The last three games, like I mentioned, we're going to highlight that. He's averaging 14.7 points per game, same 5.4 rebounds, and a 3-to-1 assist to turnover ratio. So, uh, both DJ and Trey's really stepped it up the last three games. Chico, just a quick update over over in uh, South Carolina. He's played six out of their seven games, averaging 6.2 minutes, 2.5 points per game, 3.3 uh, re- 0.3 rebounds a game, two assists to four turnovers. So, unfortunately, Chico's not getting a ton of playing time over there. So, glad we have Trey. Glad we have DJ. Both very welcome. Like you said, Logan, I don't think a ton of us works, you know, just – on the surface, excited about seeing a 6'7 guy from the SWAC coming to coming to Murray State, but yet another yet another uh, instance where we we trust us trust the coaching staff and and they they show us that uh, you know they know a lot more than, than we do as fans. So um, yeah, no, really really good to see those guys playing well.
0: Yeah, I think that you know this is like we talked about when we did our update on recruiting uh, earlier in the earlier in the season. It's all about the relationships. You know, we had a relationship with Trey. We had a relationship with DJ. And seeing those guys and finding the perfect fit, them being able to come back was of, of massive importance. And we also wanted to mention, you know, in the house last night, uh, racer, uh, re- signee who will be with the Racers next year, Justin Morgan out of Memphis. It was great to see him at the, at the ball game last night, uh, get to take in a, a racer game with he and, and his, his father and a couple of buddies. Um, it was really good to see him out there getting it to – to get acclimated to the environment that he'll be used to next year when he gets to don the
1: Navy and Navy gold. That dude's tall. He's very tall. We saw uh, Juice walk by him, and <laughs> I don't think Juice came to his shoulders. And so, man, you get a, a stretch shooting guard who can really knock down the three, who's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, probably still growing You know, at 17, 18 years old. Yeah, he
0: looks like a legit baller, getting to see him in person. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, well, that was a uh, great win for the Racers. Always good to, to, to win against a Conference USA foe. avenge the loss from last year where the Racers did not look good. And, uh, man, just a really good offensive game. And so, you know, as they say, no rest for the weary. We get six days, and guess what? Friday night, December 10th, 7 p.m., we're heading south three, three hours to Memphis. And while they may not be the team we previewed back in episode two, they're still probably one of the most talented teams in the country with raw talent. So um, Memphis is five and three. They've lost three in a row. Iowa State, Georgia, Ole Miss. Those aren't scrubs. But, you know, they were they were a top ten team in the country. And probably after the polls come out tomorrow, probably not going to be in the top 25 anymore. But uh, and they beat some decent teams. They beat Western, Kentucky. They beat St. Louis and Virginia Tech. But um, kind of on a downward trend right now. So, are the racers catching them at a good time or are the racers going to catch them on the upslope?
0: Well, it's going to be one of those two and it's going to be pretty emphatic one way or the other. And we're probably going to find out in the first 10 minutes of the game. So hopefully I think that we might be able to be catching them at a great time. Um, But before we, before we go deep into that, we'll talk about, you know, their roster and kind of do a quick preview of that that we talked about a few, few months back. So, we think we kind of have an idea what their lineup is going to look like, but Austin, as you mentioned, you know their their team has lost three games in a row. Their coach Penny Hardaway is uh, ha- took took to the press conference to to express some um, harsh feelings about the way his team has been playing, not only playing but how they've been uh, acting as a cohesive unit. Um, there's a lot of question marks there. Uh, it Seems like their their locker room is in quite quite disarray. They've got six days to figure it out, um, but I don't know if it's one of those things that. That can be figured out overnight. The game against Murray State is huge for them and, honestly, for their program, and it might be for him in his coaching career. He's been at, at Memphis for four years, and they've never been to the NCAA tournament once, and they're on their way to potentially another NIT uh, bid bit as well this year. So, And he's got you know the number one cl- recruiting class in the country coming in. It's going to be tough for them to be able to repeat that success in the offseason and, if they can do not continue to have success in the actual season, so uh, after they play the Racers here, they go on to play two more SEC teams in Alabama, who just knocked off Gonzaga, and they also play Tennessee, which is a you know in-state rival. So it doesn't get any easier for them. And if they lose to the Racers on Saturday, they could potentially be going into conference conference games with six losses in a row. Uh, so this is why it's such a, a important game for Penny Hardaway and, and, and the Tigers. Um, I think that. Um, before, before we dive into the X's and O's, you know, Logan, I'll pass it over to you to ta- kind of talk a little bit more about their roster. Um, we know they have two really good freshmen in Imani Bates and Jalen Duran. Some of the stats for them lately have not been very good. Um, over the past three games, Jalen Duran um, is averaging right around four points a game, with about two rebounds a game, and over two turnovers a game. Um, and then for Imani Bates, you know, last night against Ole Miss was one of ten, um, and against Georgia, earlier this week he had some he I think he scored 11 points but he took a lot of really bad shots. I had the opportunity to watch to watch that game and in no disrespect to to John McKay who was Loganer's listener of the week down there in Georgia. Georgia is not picked to the top of the SEC this year nor is Ole Miss. So these two losses are not not necessarily excusable.
2: Yeah, the first thing that stuck out to me whenever I looked at uh, Memphis and how they've been playing this year is on the bright side. They do have a lot of balance with having so many great players. Um, we talked about last night how great our balance was, and, and Racer Joe D always points that out to us as well. The Tigers have five players that average eight points or more, but none of them average more than twelve points a game. So very similar to Middle. They're very talented. Um, just haven't really been able to put it together. I think Sawyer mentioned earlier this week, the the word to describe them is undisciplined. It's more like an AAU game than it is a a college basketball game. And so, talked about we can get into the X's and O's. um, But I think for us to win, we're going to have to play smart basketball, take good shots, and take care of the basketball. If they press us, we can't get in a hurry. and Because if we get in a track meet and play their game – then it's it's not gonna be good for the racers, I don't think. But, you know, they average nineteen turnovers a game as well. And that
0: dead lasting all of college basketball. That's,
2: that's hard to uh, to win. So who knows? Um, I, I would just like to see us kind of control the pace and not get into a really quick up and down matchup that's that's sloppy and because if you're playing in FedEx forum and it's rocking for the Tigers. They need a win. and Right after their coach calls them out, I, I'd rather like to take control of the game early on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the deal, is that they're, they're full of talented players, but they're all young. And if we can jump on them early, Logan, like what you were saying, that we can take control, and then there's a high chance that they will – under the pressure. They haven't been in a winning situation before. Uh, it's not like they've been back-to-back Final Four contenders. Uh, like we just mentioned, they've been playing in the NIT. Uh, they were ranked, you know, as high as number nine in the country. They're going to be unranked. A lot of things going wrong. So if the Racers can come out and play, play hard, play fast, just like this Racers team did, or the Racers did 10 years ago to the date um, on Friday night, that is going to be a recipe for us to have a lot of success.
1: Yeah, definitely. And The high turnovers is is where the – if we can play our offense and stay disciplined and make crisp passes and not turn the ball over. Because, I mean, at one point last night against Middle, we were, I think, winning the turnover battle three to nine in the first half. We had very low turnovers in the first half. And if if you can do that again uh, against – and then force 10-plus turnovers in the first half and and get out. And I think think our team is built very good to play with a lead. I don't think this year we have seen us to really give up a lead.
2: It yeah. got close in the Illinois State game, True. and it also got close last night. But down the stretch, in either of those games, I never really felt like we were going to lose. Right.
1: No, not at all. Right. And and I guess we haven't seen them. Uh, well, we've only lost one game to, to East Tennessee or ETSU, but we haven't seen them come back from being down. I think we got down a couple possessions to middle last night, but after that we pushed through and, Never gave up the lead, but um, I think we're in a way better position to be playing with the lead than trying to play catch up to Memphis. And Amani Bates is taking 26 foot jumpers and hitting nothing but net kind of thing, and so that's just dream crushers if you're the racers trying to go in and spoil the party, the block party down in Memphis. Yeah,
2: I was trying to think of our best path to victory, and they're so. Uh they're so deep and, and down low. They're both DeAndre Williams and Jalen Duren are just handfuls. And so I was trying to think of which one's going to guard KJ and which one could we try and attack early and get into foul trouble. Um, because I, even though they're big and, and highly regarded players, I still don't think they're they're big enough and, and talented enough to to really throw him off his game.
1: Yeah, like you said, J- Jalen Duran there, six eleven, freshman, and we've seen even last night, KJ just bully. What was the what was the guy's name last night? Number two, DeAndre uh, Dishman from yeah. formerly of EKU. Yeah, DeAndre Dishman, and KJ just bullied him every time he he got he got the the ball in the post. And uh, you mentioned the name DeAndre Williams. Interestingly, interestingly enough, transfer from Evansville. Um, we played Evansville in 2019 when DeAndre Williams was there, lost in a heartbreaker two-point overtime game at the Ford Center. DeAndre Williams, uh, 18 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, and three blocks against the Racers that night. Uh, Tevin went off for 31 in that game, but, but not enough. So not the first time the Racers are playing DeAndre Williams. I thought that was, a, that was an interesting little uh, side note there from the game.
0: Yeah, I don't know who the the big men are going to guard for for Memphis. I don't know who's going to guard who because, during, um just just watching them a little bit this season, he tends to foul quite a bit. He he picks, pretty much picks up both his foul his first two fouls in the first half. I think almost every game so far this season. So um, I think that because of that, he'll probably guard D J Burns most likely. I think that Williams Austin, as you mentioned, you know he fills up the statue. I think he's a little more athletic. So. Uh, I think that he'll be probably matched up with KJ, but I think actually KJ will have the height advantage at that point. Um, so, or they'll be they'll be right, they'll be very similar. So that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, kind of the path to victory. They turn the ball over so much. Quietly, the Racers are on pace to average mo- the most steals in the past ten years. Like we like we like we called earlier in the season. They had ten last night. Um, they're actually like on on pace to average two more steals a game than the record. So. Um, that, that prediction we made earlier is, is coming true. And if, if we can get out and get easy buckets off of steals, it's going to make it so much easier for us to have to work in the half court where they're going to have the advantage with length um, and with the ability to block shots. They're actually top ten in the country in block shots, which you get with better talent, um, but then also you give up the fact that they lose out on rebounds because they're trying to block every shot. So if we know that going in, can get to the free throw line, can excel at the free throw line, I think we're going to have a chance to have some success. And, I mean, the Racers are a great program in their own right. More times than not, we're every team's Super Bowl on their schedule. This is one of those games a year We're probably not their Super Bowl. They look, they just got beat by two, uh, three really good programs or high major programs. They got two coming right behind us. We're sneaking into a really good uh, catch-you spot, a trap game, is like some people like to call it, um, and this will be our Super Bowl. You mean, our, our superhero, John Morant, is – is playing for the Grizzlies, so you know our guys are going to be locked in, ready to go, and we're going to get the best out of our racers on Friday night. We know that.
2: On uh, the first couple episodes, we did a schedule breakdown, and we went through all the non-conference games, and we talked about how we'd love to win one of the Memphis, versus, or, Memphis or Auburn game. And I believe I said that we had a better chance against Auburn I did, I, I did yeah, too. That like, was, that, I am yeah, retracting call myself that out. statement. <laughs> I, we have a real chance to win this game. And it's just – it depends on what Memphis team we see. Yep. If they respond and um, kind of come together like Penny's called them to do, then it's going to be tough, a uh, really tough game to win. But on the other hand, Penny said that his team's quitting. And his upperclassmen are not leading – so, they can take it one of two ways. Um, it'll be interesting to
1: see. Oh, Logan, you said, you know, we don't know what Memphis team we're going to see. And, you know, Sawyer, you you mentioned this morning, I think they've recruited another player um, from what Penny has said, said uh, on his Instagram. So, uh, give us a scouting report on uh, the the sixth man of the year for Memphis.
0: Put me on the spot here. This is uh... – you can't, uh, you can't, you can't scout the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, because that's where uh, Penny has gone to Instagram and asked for the prayers of all of uh, Tiger Nation. Um, but <laughs> our prayers are just as strong as his, um, and we give our prayers to the racers every week as well. Um, so, um,
1: oh, sorry, I'll pass I, it back to sorry you. Sorry, <laughs> put you on the spot. I had to bring that up because that was, that was so funny. That, but hey, man, if, if 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 you don't know, you know, you're you're fighting for your job. What better place to go than 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 church? <laughs> well, with that news, we're
2: gonna have to reach out to loyal listener Pastor Clint Gentry and make sure that he puts in a good ra- good word for the racers as well.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that. So this Friday night is when the racers are gonna travel down to Memphis, like we said, December tenth, seven p.m. Interestingly enough, you know, I guess since the uh, since Memphis is gonna drop out of the top twenty-five, that game's on ESPN Plus, not three. Not any networks, so uh, if you don't make the trip, it'll be on on plus. And I think a lot of racer fans are going to make the trip because, you know, as probably everybody knows at this point, it's kind of in conjunction with the Memphis Grizzlies who the next night, December 11th at 7 p.m., take on the Houston Rockets. And as our uh, past racer, number 12 John Morant, comes back from a knee sprain, uh, he, he should be our inside sources. Uh, season ticket holder, sorry Lawson, tell us he should be back Monday night. But uh, so as long as all that goes well, should have no problem seeing Jaw play uh, in a Memphis Grizzly uniform Friday, Saturday night, the 11th. So a really good weekend if you're a Racers fan. Good opportunity to go down see the Racers, support them on Friday night. Stick around Memphis and watch the Grizzlies. Really excited about that game. The Racers have a chance to pull out a big win, and if we get to eight and one there. Play Tennessee Wesleyan on the next Tuesday night gets us to nine and one, and then another really good test at the bank the next Saturday night, Chattanooga, before heading down to Auburn. So, you know, guys, the Racers, if we can get to rolling right here, have a really, really good chance to uh, to roll into conference play with two losses or less, honestly. So, fun stuff. Really excited about the win last night. Excited about the the game coming up Friday. So as we pivot, um, before we close, we want to talk a little bit about the facilities master plan. Master plan, they finally, uh, after all these weeks, released the uh, the plan for the CFSB Center. That that would be the last one. You know, they've, they've done Roy Stewart Stadium, they've done the soccer field, the softball field, the baseball field. Everything up until this point led up to the renovations at the CFSB Center, which obviously like we've said many times, this is the basketball podcast, so that's the one we cared about the most. And so with that guys we all got to see the video and read the article and, and watch the interviews and, and all that stuff. so um, I know I've got some stuff to say about it so uh, Sawyer, why don't you uh, kick us off and, and give us your overall thoughts?
0: I, I just I love the idea that we have things that are going to be put in place to elevate our basketball environment to take it to where it's going to be parallel to even you know top, top power five programs, if not you know SEC. ACC programs, you know, we're going to have the opportunity to have, after we get everything completed, a gymnasium that's going to, you know, rival or be better than, like I said, some of those SEC schools. I know, just thinking, you know, offhand of of some others, that we're going to have the, you know, the opportunity to to capitalize on on being, you know, something that recruits can't come in, look at, and say this is this is better, this is right at if not better than the rest, and having that just as another feather in our cap to uh, to make it to where we're able to get uh, to attract the best uh, players on and off the court uh, for our program is just going to be you know, so, much, so much better for, for our program. And, and as a fan, you know, I can't wait to be closer to the, to the floor, um, go to a lot of Grizzlies games, and being, being, having that availability to be so close to the court just makes the, the environment there so much better. You know, there was a, a gentleman, I f- I've forgotten his name, he put out some pictures this week on Twitter of Racer Arena um, back in its height. Um, just some, some still photos that, that showcased the, how crazy of an environment it was to have fans that close to the, to the floor. And that just really gets me excited and will only, like I said, elevate the level of play for our players, make it to where it's going to be a place that no one wants to come and play. And those are the things that I think I'm looking forward to the most.
1: You remember Kenny telling us the story about Dave Luce and he was talking about the, the students pulling the leg hairs off the back of the, the players inbound and then, uh, you know, you do what you got to do to get that uh, home court advantage.
2: Absolutely. It's really good to see that it seems like all the time we're looking at ways to improve our facilities. And so really thankful, um, especially traveling to places like UT Martin and Austin P, You go into their gym and it looks the same as it has always looked. And our um, the people in our athletic department and making decisions at the university are always looking to better our facilities. So that's great to see. Um, and now, especially with NIL, NIL deals in place where these kids can go to bigger schools and probably not nearly as good of a situation. They're just going there because they can get paid $50,000 or something and, and end up being scoring seven, eight points a game or something and having short term success. This gives uh, kids another reason to think. You know, well, I could go to a smaller school like Murray State and, and get a great education and um, set myself up for um, a great, great career, whether it be in the league or overseas.
1: It is all really positive, and and I'm going to make some some points in the next few minutes, and and I don't want I don't want this to come off as ungrateful or anything like that. But you know when. When you're promised a lot of stuff or when you've been hearing promises and rumblings of a lot of stuff and then and then the actual plan comes out, there 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 is room for disappointment I think and, and I think I do have a little bit of that disappointment and and one thing I wanna preface this with is, you know, we, we just saw a few renderings of the of the arena and I'm sure there's a lot more to come or a lot more to be released and I think that was one of the, the beefs I had with it is like, man, you can't promise us all this roll out of facilities and give us three looks at what it's going to look like and it's like man you know you look at that video the first two minutes was like here's the history of the cfsb center and like okay thanks you know the three of us have been to hundreds of games there we we know what we know we're getting there and then it's like a minute and a half of of the plans and then the last eight minutes is a is interview with mcmahon and, and kj and tevin and all that stuff and 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 please guys don't get me wrong i it, it's great stuff and I'm I'm glad we're we're we are where we're at but man I, I I think the whole lower bowl should be should have been chair seats all the way around you know from uh, not not in the student section leave that how it is because the student section does not need to be uh, does not need to be chair seats but but in the in the opposite end zone and around the corners and all that stuff should be all chair seats in the lower bowl I think they should have come up with a way to do some kind of some private boxes, some luxury boxes. That's something we've been talking about for years. A huge missed opportunity for, for businesses to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to have these boxes a year. And, you know, that's, that's what happens at Belmont. That's what happens at, at all these other arenas that have that that opportunity at the Ford center and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you go to the OVC tournament and, Logan, you've been in those boxes up there during the OVC tournament, and uh, it's a uh, it it's it's a way to generate revenue, honestly, without very much put into it. And so um, that that was another beef I had. And um, well,
0: Austin, I mean, they already have the boxes for the football stadiums, yep. and they're not cheap, and people always rent them out. So um, if it's already in place, you know that that was that was another thing that, that if you're going to have a nitpick, I guess that could be it because that is the way. That is the trend for where things are going. So if it's going that way, why don't we just go ahead and assert that issue now rather than have to worry about potential renovations 15 years down the road? So I agree with you there.
1: Yeah, I, I will pause on the positive side. The the club space under the bleachers it looked really cool. I wish we could have saw some actual renderings of that and not just a you know a floor plan kind of thing because I think there's some really cool things. Uh, Logan, I think we were talking about it last night. the The idea of the players walking through the club space, how they do with the Cowboys Stadium or the the Raiders, the new Raiders Stadium. That that's a really cool thing for student experience. Well, we did it at Ole Miss whenever yeah. we we yeah. played them a few years ago. Yeah, the three of us uh, with the infamous bus ride, but we had the uh, we had the opportunity to to have I guess what you could say is club seats. I still have the the yeah, thing the we lanyard. wore yeah the yeah. lanyard we wore around the neck but you were able to go to this club space and it was catered and they served uh, catfish to us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which you know no surprise being down hey. in mississippi right
2: <laughs> catfish and cookies and racer basketball what else could you want <laughs> exactly
1: and, and and an opportunity to do that in the cfsb centers really really cool i think and uh man the the ren- the renderings that we did get to see of of the student athlete space between the arena, and the uh, practice facility with the workout room, with the recovery rooms, with the locker rooms, and all that stuff. To me, that was the most top-notch thing we saw. And Sawyer, you, you talked about on par with an SEC and ACC level kind of program. That's the stuff that that from a student-athlete experience in recruiting recruiting uh, aspect, that's the things – that's going to make the difference, you know. This is a fan podcast, and so we're really focused on the fan experience mm-hmm. um, as well. And but from a student athlete experience, that that was really cool to see, and and that's that was some top notch stuff there.
0: Yeah, and with the with the partnership that Ja has with Hyper Ice and getting some of those, we've already got some of that technology that the student athletes can utilize presently. But being able to capitalize on that, and make it even better, um, it's just going to to enhance what we see on the court. You know, you said this is a, a, a fan podcast, but, you know, it's only going to elevate what they can do on the court with how they can they can recover and also uh, prepare for when they take action on the court. Um, but back to what you mentioned about the club space, you know, I think they were mentioning that it would be nice enough to where you could host, like, wedding receptions and things in there. And, yeah, I mean, si- it, sign it, yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's just going to be – they're thinking about doing it and doing it right, and that's – that's gonna be really cool to see and hopefully we can be a part of a lot of those events when they get it into play.
1: And just you know, we're we're sitting around right now, uh, doing this podcast and in, in uh Logan's Logan's uh Logan's place and we, we've got ESPN pulled up and Belmont's here playing playing Sanford and Sanford's in the SOCON and we're looking at their arena and they've got chair seats all the way around the lower bowl. You know, the the seats are right behind the bench.
2: Students there.
1: <laughs> Students are there and uh you know it's Sam, Sanford's not a big money program like Murray State is but you know they they've got they've got the chair seats all the way around and that's that's just something i wish wish we could have seen from uh from this facility upgrades and and maybe maybe it's still there you know we uh we know the three of us have have major pool in the athletic department so uh, i know if they're going to listen to this and and call that architect company back up and and change all the plans so as i mentioned guys we're we're sitting here on sunday afternoon watching Belmont Belmont plays Sanford, and you know that that just uh, brings us up and a reminder of uh, we kind of want to look a little bit around the OVC. You know, Belmont they're sitting at six and three right now, and they're up they're up ten. They're probably going to move to seven and three uh, against Sanford here, and and we're seven and one. And um, but other than that, Sawyer, the the rest of the OVC has I don't know is there a worse word than struggled to use? But uh, that's all that's coming to my mind right now.
0: Yeah, I think that what we've seen so far has been. The, the two top teams in the OBC are Belmont and Murray State. I'm not sure – you know, Moorhead still has a lot of talent. They've got a lot of time to put it together. I'm still not, not sold that they're where they need to be to be able to contend for the OBC championship. Uh, P has actually had – they had an impressive win over Dayton, but they've been okay. SEMO started out hot, has really fallen off. And then you look at Edwardsville, Martin, EIU, and Tennessee State. Those four teams might be – as bad of a four-team combination as we've seen in the last 20 years in the OBC And that should just be another reason for why our leadership should be able to, to look at that and consider us having a p- potential change in conference, which hopefully in the next two or three weeks we'll have some news on that to share with you all. And so with that, we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to throw it over to Logan for his famous and favorite part of the podcast, Logan's Listener of the Week.
2: Yeah, so this week's Logan's Listener of the Week, is none other than Mr. Ryan Vale of Spring Hill, Tennessee. Clap it up for Ryan. Ryan I feel like from week one has been interacting with us on Twitter and and always uh, tells us he enjoys the show or or interacts with us in some way. And so we really appreciate you Ryan and and are happy that you're down in um, in Spring Hill, down close to Belmont doing doing some work for the racers and, and Giving us some support down there.
0: Awesome. We couldn't. We couldn't let this episode go by without talking about uh, two very special people to the program um, that we got to talk to last night. Austin and I, uh, and that was uh, both Juice Hill's dad and uncle. It was great to get to catch up with them last night, uh, listeners to the podcast, and um, we're really excited to see them and got to meet with them and give them the uh, the all famous sign off of uh, Go Racers as they exited, which was really cool. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was really funny. They were they were walking away and they're like, I guess. Uh, I guess we end it with go racers like, well, yep, that's, that's pretty much how, how we it end things around here. That's how we end things around here. And, uh, and before we end things, uh, you know, we got a big week, not just for racer basketball, but also for the racer nation podcast on a, uh, on a personal note.
0: Yeah. So we've been mentioning this, uh, especially with our, our favorite staff throughout the season, but, uh, my wife and I are expecting uh, our child this, our new child this week. So the Racer Nation podcast will gain one new listener. So we're really excited about that. We we'll definitely appreciate everybody's thoughts and prayers this week as we enter that uh, that new that new uh, blessing for us. So um, I know you, that, it means a lot to us. Um, so uh, we really uh, we really appreciate that, and we'll keep you updated when that new fan arrives. Uh, to get get them towards uh, the path of racer racer fanship.
1: Awesome, awesome, and we'll be. We'll be thanking and praying for the Lawson family and uh, all all good and healthy mom and baby and uh you know we'll, we'll I saw her if you know we can let the podcast in a little bit but when when the first one was born uh, Kennedy the racer football team went on a pretty dang good run there for a little bit so so let's hope uh, let's hope the new one brings the same luck for the racer basketball team uh, so let's go ahead and wrap it up with that and uh you know we'll Be watching Friday night and then uh, talk to you guys next week. And Sawyer, sign us off. Go, racers. Go, racers. Go, racers.